0: This time on episode 418 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to discuss the 1992 X-Men, the animated series, The Phoenix Saga, Season 3, Episodes 3 through 7. We're also going to profile the X-Men, the animated series production studio founder, Haim Saban. And we're going to discuss some weekly Marvel Studio news, including Marvel Studios developing a new cosmic project, Miss Minutes, on Us WGA acceptance speech, and if Marvel altered the Defender shows when they went on Disney+. Plus? I'm Willie D. Nelson from All Things Good and Nerdy, a pop culture podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now.
1: Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other tantalizingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by Director Alfonso Mack McKenzie. Stand by for a S.H.I.E.L.D. debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted
2: clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director.
3: And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris.
0: And I'm producer of the show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios. The show is recorded on Thursday, March 24th, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast galactic wide via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record, hey gang, happy national chocolate covered raisins day I haven't had one of those in a while. I was thinking about it. I think the last chocolate covered thing I had was like a
3: chocolate covered coffee bean. I think was the last thing I had that was like that. I had um it was uh mangoes dried mango slices that were drizzled in chocolate really good I've also had those nut
0: pouches where you have different nuts like peanuts and almonds and then you have m&ms in there and there's mm-hmm. raisins in there but they're not chocolate covered so i don't know
3: they're I don't yogurt raisins counts. yeah
0: i uh, say it's in the same family all right i'm not particularly a fan i mean i don't go out of my way to get
1: chocolate covered raisins chris i know you do you love them well part of why i love them is because my wife hates raisins so i can eat chocolate things and i don't have to share I've
0: got my little mound right over here. You don't have anything. All right. So, Michelle, are you a raisin eater at all?
2: Yeah, but I haven't had chocolate-covered ones in a long time.
0: But you've had chocolate-covered raisins? Of course. Oh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, go out, enjoy a chocolate-covered raisin, and we'll enjoy the day. In the meantime, we are going to think about going buying some. But we're going to talk about Marvel because we love talking about Marvel. Because of
1: space birds.
2: If you'd like to talk to us about space birds, you can visit our website, legendsofshield.com.
1: If you want to tell us all about how space birds are really just dinosaurs, leave us a voicemail at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871.
3: If you want to tell us that you do in fact know that there are multiple space birds in this group of episodes, You can contact us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D.
2: You can leave us a comment about our YouTube performance at YouTube.com slash GunnaGeek.
1: If you want to argue with us about which space bird is the best space bird, join our Discord server at GunnaGeek.com slash Discord.
3: And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network.
0: Well, if you can't tell, Agent Lauren was able to join us again
3: tonight. Welcome back to the show, Agent Lauren. Glad to be here. I missed y'all, and I am so mad I did not get to talk Spider-Man. Yeah, well, is there anything you would like to say
0: really quick about Spider-Man No Way Home? I cried four times. Okay. I got a little misty-eyed a couple of times, but, I mean, it was good. There's a whole podcast out there to go listen to, and, you know, if if you feel like we've dropped something off the table, you can pick up your phone and call 844-THE-BUS-1 and let us know all about what you think we missed in our coverage. In the meantime, we have a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about the Phoenix Saga. I know it's a great show because the three of my co-hosts have been really ramping up for this particular one and a couple other sagas that we're going to get to later. But this one has everybody's hearts and minds into it. I can't wait to hear everybody's thoughts about it this was my first time watching it so let's just get into it so we can talk some x-men the animated series phoenix saga well i'm getting pretty good at lying because we're not going to start with the phoenix saga we're going to start with is haim saban who ran the studio that produced x-men the animated series now I was talking before the show with Lauren, who knows a thing or two about Haim Saban. So, Lauren, if you have something to say along the way, please pipe up. Don't think that I have to say anything, everything about Haim. But what I will start with is if you look in IMDb, he's credited with 118 composer credits. That's really what his background is as a music composer. And I'll tell you why in a little second. He also has 71 producer credits. He's most well-known for the Power Rangers series, but he has had his hands in numerous films, animation series, and sitcoms. Take a look at his credits across the board. Now, where did he come from? How did he get to the point where he started Saban Entertainment? I'll admit, I'm disappointed a little bit in the available information on Haim Saban. I didn't find any books written about Haim Saban. Very few articles written about Haim Saban, actually, that I was able to find, but I did find out a few things. So we're going to talk about those few things. By the way, he is the 232nd richest man in America as of a couple of years ago. So this is no slouch. He actually, and by richest man, it, I don't know if it's richest man, he's richest person in America, 232nd richest person in America. This is what I was able to find. He was born on October 15th, 1944 in Alexandria, Egypt. His family immigrated to Israel in 1956. He went with his family in 1966, when he was at the age of 18, he became a bass player and a band manager. His band at the time was mildly successful. It ended up on BBC once, but in 1969, they returned back to Israel, and he focused more on the music and music promotion instead. And then Haim moved to France in 1970. He started using the pseudonym Kassa, Makshi, I believe is how you pronounce it. And for any credits, as a composer for a while, if you're confused as to who Kassa is, it's spelled C-U-S-S-A, that is Haim Saban. Then he moved to the United States in 1983. He began work in the soundtracks for children's television programs, and he discovered the gold that was there to make in terms of money because the syndication alone made the money well worth it to put composing together for these programs. And there wasn't a lot of people doing it at the time. He made a career out of it. And then five years later, in 1988, he founded Saban Entertainment, which became best known for Power Rangers, but was a juggernaut in children's programs in the 80s, including the X-Men, the animated series in the 90s. Now, in 1996, before X-Men, the animated series ended its run, Heim merged Saban Entertainment and what was then Fox Kids into a new entity called Fox Kids Worldwide, and he basically sold off Saban Entertainment. And that's where he made his fortune. He made a huge amount of money from there. And then he kept on reinvesting it and got even more and more money. But here's the thing. There is not a complete flattering career here. Give you an example. In 1998, he was accused of not actually composing his total 3,700 credits that he had at the time. And he settled out of court with 10 composers. I don't know if there was any more composers that came down the line or not. But of note for this show, the X-Men, the animated series, Ron Wasserman, we covered him. He was our first profile that we did on this whole thing. He's got nothing against time. He said in a lot of the interviews that that was just how the industry ran at the time. If you were working for a production company, they got the credit for it, and the individual didn't get any credit for it, which ultimately led to Ron leaving Saban Entertainment because he asked for royalties and he wasn't going to get any. He moved on to his own where he was able to get royalties and he's the one who composed the Power Rangers theme as well, which made him very famous and Haim couldn't claim ownership of it because he actually contracted out, including the royalties to Ron for it. Since then, since the late nineties, Haim has gone on to control International television and music distribution, and we're not going to get in depth in here. I just want to note he has become a huge political supporter, and and self admittedly is a one issue supporter. He's interested in pro Israel, basically. That's the haim Saban that I was able to unearth. He was a musician, got into children's television programming from the music composing side, was able to start Saban Entertainment from that money and was able to start producing animation shows, and then ultimately was able to make big bucks off of that off the sale and then reinvest it back into the industry.
3: Did I miss anything big there, Lauren? The big thing there is, so like you said, he was involved with Power Rangers, and I absolutely loved Mighty Morphin Power Rangers when I was a kid. And the reason that if anybody who watched the show back in the day Three of the original Rangers left after basically one season, like one season ish because of pay, because Haim Saban would only authorize essentially what is actors minimum wage. And considering they were all leads on a TV series, that's not really great. That and the political donations are the two main things that I know about him.
0: He's still a figure. He's still around. He is still, he's got a couple of foundations out there, but if you want to know more, look him up. There's a Wikipedia article. I have some sources of articles. If you want to learn more about him, that'll be in the show notes, but I couldn't go any further into the X-Men, the animated series profiles without talking about Haim Saban because he ran the production company. All right. We're going to move on now and do what I promised a few minutes ago. And we're going to talk about the Phoenix Saga.
1: Previously on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wolverine, of course I had a former lover and now she's just somebody I used to know. My name is Lady Deathstrain. You killed my father. Prepare to die.
2: No, no, no. You killed him. Leech stealed something from me. Therefore, that's why I can invade this place, and now the spaceship's mine, and you need to die, and it's all your fault.
0: I don't really blame her, because, I mean, if she's the hero of the story, we'd be on her side. I like the word phalanges.
1: (laughs) This plane is missing the phalanges. (laughs) Just on a pure physicality spectrum that Gambit is going to be able to whoop Logan's... Canadian booty pretty easily.
0: Don't touch the third rail when you get on the subway. Don't do it because that will even kill this monster. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Uh, Don't forget to eat your broccoli. I did have broccoli for dinner tonight.
1: Yes, perfect.
0: And that previously on was brought to you by our very talented Chris, who's able to go in and take out these clips. For the previously on. Very, very talented, Chris.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you. It's fun putting these things together.
0: So the episodes that we watched for today are season three, episodes three through seven. It premiered on Fox Kids, not on a Saturday. Remember, this shows like a Saturday morning cartoon. This was a primetime through the week, Monday through Friday run from September 5th, 1994 through September 9th, 1994. I don't know. I don't remember. Was this an after
3: school thing? I think it was prime time, wasn't it? I seem to remember it being around about four o'clock in the afternoon.
0: Oh, so it would have been after school. then.
3: Yeah. Okay.
0: Anyway, we have the five episodes, the Phoenix Saga part one, Sacrifice, the Phoenix Saga part two, Dark Shroud, the Phoenix Saga part three, Cry of the Banshee. The Phoenix Saga Part 4, Star Jammers And Phoenix Saga Part 5, Child of Light. And I had fun watching these. Michelle, why don't you inform everybody on what they were?
2: Part 1, Sacrifice. Professor X's visions leads to his decision to blindly send the team to commandeer a space shuttle, on which they are then attacked by Shi'ar agent Eric the Red, who has plans to ambush the rebel, Leandra when she exits a space wormhole. Jean Grey experiences a transformation as the shuttle travels through an energy field. Part 2. Dark Shroud A psychic probe in the form of a beam of light causes Professor X to emit a psychic projection of his dark side, which then attacks the X-Men. Professor X retreats to Muir Island for rehabilitation, but is visited by Leandra. Part 3. Cry the Brand Sheep Juggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy kidnap Leandra for Eric the Red, but the X-Men track them down. A fight results in a stalemate until Gladiator, guard to the Imperial throne, shows up to take Leandra captive. Phoenix rescues her and vanquishes Gladiator for the meantime. Part 4 Starjammers The X-Men fail to protect the M. Cron crystal from intergalactic pirates called Starjammers. Who plan to sell it to Deken as well as to use Cyclops as an assassin. Phoenix transports the X-Men to the crystal, but Deken succeeds in unlocking its power. Phoenix Saga Part 5, Child of Light. The X-Men are drawn into a battle against Deken within the confines of the world within the Emkron crystal, where Phoenix makes a last stand.
0: Lots of stuff happened. So we're going to take our first impressions now. We're
2: going to
3: start with Lauren. I realized while I was watching these episodes that I think these are the ones that I watched the most as a kid. The line readings were just all incredibly familiar. And there were parts where I could quote along, despite not having seen it in quite a few years. It felt a little bit like coming
2: home. More engaging than the big budget film adaptation.
1: Professor X should really try this new thing that's happened since he was born. It's called communicating with people. Even if you don't know everything, you can tell them what you do know.
0: Yeah, that would take up valuable screen time, but I agree. Communications, like, I I, I can't tell you anymore. Well, yeah, you can tell exactly what you saw. That would be good. Anyway, I thought it was a fun saga in the midst of a really good series run really, and I'm glad that they were able to broaden the scope to include this five-episode run in one of the biggest X-Men storylines, really, with the Phoenix Saga. All right, we're going to talk about these five episodes all at the same time. We're going to intermix back and forth, and we're going to start by the fact that the X-Men get up in a space shuttle. Yes, space. So we had the, what was it called? The Starcore I believe, was the space shuttle name, right? Mm-hmm. My only regret is that poor Jubilee couldn't get to go on her space camp ride up into space.
2: Well, someone had to get caught.
0: And then somebody had to rescue her. So it, it kind of tied up two or three people in the whole thing. Yeah. But that was the plan. It was. It was the plan, and they were able to get on board and everything. I'll admit, the first time I watched it, I was like, why is the Doctor, whatever is, Dr. Caruso or whatever. Super Doctor astronaut Peter Corbeau? Peter Corbo, yes, Peter Corbo. Why was his eyes sparkling? I don't understand. I don't get it. And then I realized it was the powers that were being used on him to fool him into thinking he was with his original crew, and he wasn't. But uh, it was like, wait a minute, does he have some special powers? So, I don't know. I did watch that episode twice on the second way through. I was like, okay, that's what's going on. But our X-Men are going into space. They get into space by a ruse, and it was a good thing that they went because there was trouble to be had, and if they didn't go, those original astronauts were not going to survive, I believe, or be mind-controlled through those devices or whatever. So, yeah. I'm kind of glad that the X-Men went because we got, you know, if they didn't go, they'd be stuck on earth and we wouldn't have got anything. There's also what was the space station name? Earth, the star one, earth core one, something like that. Getting a bunch of blank stares,
2: something like that.
0: Yeah. So they get onto the space station and trouble really ensues from there. I will say, I think that this saga could have been presented a little bit differently because we were just jammed into this, right? You just took your core people and you threw them out into outer space and you really didn't have a background of what was going on out there. You didn't have a concept that there was space involved here. I mean, I have no qualms at the fact that we went to space, but I, I was thinking even with the movie Gardens of the Galaxy, it softened our blow into it. It transitioned us into it into the fact that we were dealing with a bigger universe. And I don't think they did that with this, but maybe they didn't have time. I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: I was fine with it. We did have that small setup with those first two episodes, but even if you didn't watch that, we had a space fight going on. And then we cut with professor Xavier, seeing these visions and not understanding and going back. It's like, okay, we've got a space fight. One of them has a connection to Charles Xavier. It's giving him visions that he doesn't quite understand. And for reasons, he has this instinct that we have, you know, I have to send you into space. I was on board with it even the first time I watched it when I was younger. Even now, I was fine with it. The only thing that I was really disappointed in is that our international space station does not look like the what we got in the x-men series that looks like from star trek that is the version from star trek that shape i'm going that is from star trek the wrath of khan sort of deal but i was fine with it
0: and the fact that they had artificial gravity on the space station they had to use magnetic boots on the space shuttle itself but after that there was no magnetic boots there was no qualms about it. It was definitely artificial gravity everywhere, which I have an issue with because there are no artificial gravity plates in reality. It's like, maybe we'll get there eventually, like transparent aluminum in Star Trek, right? We now have transparent aluminum, but I don't know. Chris, what'd you think?
1: I think we just mimicked exactly how the characters in the story were feeling. You know, they didn't really get a gradual change into, hey, we're going to space, so we don't either. I like seeing things from as close to the character's perspective as possible.
3: Yeah, it never really bothered me. I mean, now as an adult, it's because I know what's coming. But at the time, it was just, oh, hey, the X-Men are in space now. This figures. And, yeah, I was really looking forward to hearing what SP has to say about this particular portrayal of spaceships and astronauts. And space flight.
0: All right, we can go down this really quick. I wrote a few notes in the show notes because Lauren had signaled she wanted to talk about it. So, first of all, the very opening scene when you're seeing all those spaceships going around and everything fighting in space, contrary to what you see in Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars, space is not World War II fighting dogfights out there, right? It's more like the expanse. So, if you want to know what space fighting is, go watch the expanse. Do not watch this or Battlestar Galactica or Star Wars and think that's how it actually happens out in space. Another thing, it's not really space, but it was just a tech thing that bugged me. The Blackbird, as it's going into the launch site, puts on stealth mode, which, okay, it'll take you off a radar, but it's still seen. So if you're coming in, the tower is still going to see you coming in, and they're going to wonder what it is. So you got to make it invisible. and Maybe Gene makes it so nobody can see it, but they didn't show that on screen. So if you actually can put your Mark 1 eyeball, your peepers on it, it's not stealth. Okay, and then we already talked about the gravity in the mag boots. I will say the next thing that I, I noticed was Gambit was throwing his explosive cards out. Okay, the bulkheads in space, because of weight, are not that thick. If you're going to do an explosion around it, things are going to actually explode out. You're going to go through the deck. Think of the Martian when they blow the front off the spaceship, right? That's what happens. You actually blow a hole into the spaceship. So that didn't happen. And then when they were in the airlock and they were getting spaced, there's a couple things there. First of all, they're sliding on the ground. There would be no gravity. They wouldn't be sliding on the ground. And the other thing is they would just be sucked out if there was no atmosphere decompression they would literally just shoot out they wouldn't have a chance to grab onto anything because the explosiveness of the air leaving would be that quick you'd be just dragged out well not dragged out but you'd just be sucked out and um the other thing that happened when jean got her powers and we're gonna talk about jean in phoenix in a second but when the ship flies through the energy contrail I don't know. That's probably not going to allow you to fly through a moon or anything. So in the future, if anybody's listening to this on little tips on how to survive in space, don't think you can go fly your ship through the contrails, the exhaust of an ion engine or something, and think you can fly through the moon. It's not going to happen. Yeah, in true space camp fashion, I will say this. I mean, space camp was out in 1986, so it was a thing at the time. Yeah, and Jean can fly a space shuttle. That's fine. She, Yeah, that, that's good. And, you know, Scott, he said, I can fly the Blackbird. I can fly a space shuttle. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Same thing.
2: She learned how to fly a spaceship just like Neil learned Kung Fu in the Matrix just by absorbing it into the brain.
3: Fair enough. So anyway, Lauren, are you satisfied with that? I am very satisfied. Next step is to show that particular episode to my spouse. So I can hear that yelling about all of this. It's going to be great. I mean that genuinely. Yeah, it's the first,
0: I don't know, 15 minutes of the episode. So, yeah, you'll get it be a entertaining 15 minutes with pauses in there. So probably about an hour. no one Scott. So let's talk about Jean. She becomes Phoenix, right? This is her origin story in X-Men, the animated series. And honestly, I haven't read the comics, but I know it's a big comic run. So is this the same as the comic? Are we comic accurate? Because so far we have been. Is this comic accurate?
1: More or less.
0: Okay. So she becomes Phoenix because something merges with her. It's not innate in her. So it's really two different entities.
3: Correct. Yeah. The Phoenix Force can have hosts. It's a whole big thing in the comics, and this time Gene gets to be the host. Okay.
1: And basically, if you can think of a Marvel character, they've probably yeah. had Phoenix Force in them.
3: Yep. Hmm. I was looking up information on the Phoenix Force a little bit before now, and instead of actually taking me to, hey, this is a short description of what the Phoenix Force is, it took me to. List of characters who have housed the Phoenix Force. And it's a really long list, just for fun. If you have a spare five minutes, Google that and find it.
0: All right. So Jean becomes one with Phoenix. She does a lot of amazing things. She gets stronger as she goes along. And then ultimately, she has to sacrifice herself and she has to remove herself from. Everybody, but specifically Scott is probably the biggest deal because she's married to Scott and they have a tearful goodbye. And uh, Xavier says at the end, remember, the phoenix rises. So foreshadowing maybe that Jean is coming back. But it, it was a very sad for
2: Scott. Indeed. All those jeans that he got to yell. I thought it was interesting. It was moving that he got to cry, but his tears actually came through his visor. And I wear glasses, and I know when I cry, my the tears had to do that weird puddle thing underneath my eye and my glasses. So I imagine that there's a big puddle of tears in his visor, and then the excess, and then eventually my tears fall out. So I just imagine that's kind of what happened with Scott, and it was just like, I understand that weird sensation that he must have with all those tears in his visor.
0: I wonder if that would then cause his eye power, his eye beams to refract and get messed up as he's shooting them off.
3: You would think, but I'm pretty sure we've we've seen him in the comics using them underwater. So the takeaway is probably, I don't know, depends on whoever's uh, writing him.
0: Yeah, it would still work underwater but they would be refracted so it would be a little different i would think i don't know anyway the other thing with scott that we get is the fact that we see his
1: dad
3: that feel when you find out your dad's a space pirate i'm
1: really glad you picked up on that fact because it wasn't super explicitly laid out
0: oh i believe gene says it that scott's with his dad now
2: Yes, but it's one line, and it's never revisited. It's never stated again. Kind of like the cable hint that you got last season. It's not exactly explicitly explained. It's not revisited yet. And it's interesting for those of us who read the comic, and we know more about their mother and Scott's other family, It's just a great little tease for us.
0: Yeah, this was way more than we got with cable because with cable, we don't know. And I won't spoil it for anybody that happens to be watching this for the first time. May not know even if they've watched the X-Men movies, but in case they haven't, I won't spoil it. But the other thing with Scott is his dad said, oh, and my son, he has his mother's eyes. So I guess his mom had the same powers. No. Oh, okay.
3: Yeah, so the thing is that the accident that happened, happened before puberty, or right around, but slightly before, Cyclops got his powers. No, he just knew them as perfectly normal kids.
1: Yeah, they were just up in an airplane, and plane crash, they take Alex and Scott, who we've seen before as Havoc, for Alex, grab a parachute on him, push him out of the plane. And then Scott grows up in an orphanage all alone, not knowing who anybody in his family is. And then he goes and meets his dad and doesn't necessarily know it out in space like kids do.
0: And his dad doesn't say anything about it.
2: Well, he doesn't realize it. He says that I wouldn't recognize them because he hasn't seen them since kids. And also my oldest has his mother's eyes. Here's this dude with his visor on who can't take it off. And even when he does shoots out, the only time we've actually seen Scott's eyes is when Rogue took his power. And when he was with the Morlocks, it's very rare to see Scott Summers actual eyes.
0: Rogue mentions, I wish I was the one who is the pilot because I'm strong to begin with. And I could handle this right off the bat. That kind of scares me a little bit. Why? Because if she's got Captain Marvel's powers already, you merge that with Phoenix, that whoa, that is stronger than anything that I know of in Marvel Comics put together. So I'm kind of glad she didn't, because Phoenix is scary enough being with Jean. Whoa, I'd hate to do the other way. I shudder at everything. So Chris, you mentioned Xavier, and we've got Xavier who... You have not been flattering on Xavier the entire time, and I can understand why. I'm not saying you're wrong. But now we get to, like, he's not communicating. Like, a simple communication would have worked great. Well, he's trying to communicate telepathically, and he finally communicates with, I
1: guess, his soulmate here? That's how Alandra lays it out, and... Who am I to say that alien life forms don't have this kind of connection working in them? I haven't been up to space. But Xavier could have done such a better job. Like, okay, everybody, here's this person contacting me through my mind. They're already not going to think that's weird because of all their powers and what they've seen. And he doesn't tell them anything. It's just, you have to go stow away on a spaceship and go up into space and do this thing. And really, I don't know why he just assumes that the person contacting him is a good person instead of a villain, because he has no basis for who this person is that is talking to him through his mind. It could so easily be a villain just trying to take out the X-Men and draw him up into space to destroy him.
3: Okay. Really, my big takeaway from everything was, it's kind of funny to me that evil Xavier In this episode, at least, is really more just really big jerk, Xavier. And naturally, of course, oh, you go evil. I guess you got to add a cape. He's taking his fashion advice from Magneto.
0: A cape and a mustache, right?
3: Mm. I
2: thought what was interesting is after he has this one episode and he explains all the work that he has to do in order to keep his mind straight, to keep his mind on straight. not the right word, but together to keep his focus. So his emotions don't get overwhelmed. And, and like you said, like this Magneto cape wearing type comes out. And what's interesting is that he has this one episode and then he goes to Muir Island because reasonably so, is like, okay, I need to refocus. I need to get myself together. And then this event happens. And because he's there to recuperate, oh, we're just not going to believe you because you had this one hallucination. So you must be having more of them. And again, as someone with a mental illness, you have one thing happen and then you have something else you need to express, but then people dismiss it. It hurts. And I find it interesting that Wolverine, the one who earlier just throws his hands up, is like, yeah, we're going to space. That's what we do. It's a Tuesday. Comes to Muir Island and does his sniffing thing and verifies Xavier's story.
3: I found that part fascinating, to quote Beast. (laughs) So on the subject of that sniffing thing, that bugged me so bad at the part where Wolverine thinks that he's seeing Jubilee and runs up, and I'm like, you should have been able to smell her, but or the lack of her, because that's, you know, Wolverine's whole thing. I know there was a lot more to the whole Xavier thing than just, oh, he's evil, he's a jerk, and I really love hearing y'all talk about it. I just wanted to let y'all know.
1: It's a meme for a reason. Xavier is a jerk. He needs to think about what he's doing. He needs to think about other people. And like, oh, Storm, I need you to stay here with me and do, like, basically nothing. Okay. Although, he does kind of do a good job of getting everybody back together there at the end. So,
3: he's useful. But still a jerk. Use your words.
0: (laughs) And he does decide to stay because he has this thing about mutants and being accepted into society, right? So he decides to Stay to further that cause, which has been his cause all along, right? So at least he's doing that. But I don't know how much of that is altruistic and how much of that is selfish. Like I haven't finished this yet, and I want to make sure that I finish it because I need to do this.
2: I'm sorry. It's just I don't know why I find that so funny. It's the journey Xavier goes on these five episodes. Again, not being able to use his words. That moment with Scott. We talked about Scott seeing Xavier as a dad, as a father figure. And when he says to Professor Xavier, can't you at least tell me, of all people, what's going on? Don't you trust me? And Xavier doesn't take advantage of, if any X-Men is going to believe some space chick is contacting me via telepathy, Scott is going to be, of course, dad. If that's what's happening, I believe you.
3: Yeah, do you want me to get the van? We can go find her. He is a, a complete well-done son kind of guy. He's
0: left longingly looking at the sun because that's where Jean is, right? In the middle of the sun, at least for now. I thought that was pretty fitting, by the way, that she's in the middle of the sun and the sun is what gives Scott his powers. It's like Jean is giving him his powers. Kind of?
2: Sort of, yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm
1: romantic harp music in the background
0: harp music violin maybe i I guess it would be more (laughs) sad trombone (laughs) i'm planning ahead
1: i have better harp instruments than violin instruments
0: okay all right it was a fun watch it was jam-packed let's talk about the fights because the fights were amazing there was not a lot of fights per episode but there was definitely a big fight in almost all the episodes and it I think it was done well. It included all the characters that were there at least and you got to see them lose and then figure out how to win in the end and in the end Jean is the one who really came through with everything. She wasn't strong enough to stop it to begin with. This could have been done in 4 episodes if she was strong enough at the end of the 4th episode, but she wasn't. So it had to go a 5th episode to make sure she was strong enough to do it. Y'all like the fights, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah. it really did. A lot of the different power usage. Get to see Wolverine get thrown around a bit. Usually he's always the one like, oh, I did it and I am, you know, powerful. Seeing him get thrown around and not always winning was
3: refreshing. I really liked, I think my favorite of all of them, not for any technical reason or anything, but I really liked, all the action scenes with the Corsairs. It's just space pirates. It's so weird and fun. And there's that one that I'm pretty sure was a scroll. It shapeshifted, but it also had antenna. I guess, well, it's a shapeshifter. It can have antenna if it wants to. See, my favorite one was when you had Gladiator, who is just sitting there.
1: I am in charge of everything. You will respect my Shi'ar overlords. And Jean just looks at him. And says, hold my beer. And you had Juggernaut
0: come in, Xavier's half-brother, you had Banshee come in, you had Moira again on on Muir Island with those deep accents.
1: (laughs) I was sitting there like, there's something wrong here. Why is there something wrong here? And then Kaylee looks at me. You know that they're from different countries, right? Talking about (laughs) Moira and Banshee. Of course they have different accents. And then I felt really dumb.
3: So, fun fact about Banshee, the the actor. He's not only played that character here on X-Men, the animated series, but he played the same character in the live-action Generation X pilot from a couple years after this. Like 1997,
0: ninety six I want to say. Okay. If there's anything like these five episodes going forward... It's just going to be a fun watch into season four, the rest of season three and season four. It's going to be a fun watch. I've heard differing things, not flattering things basically about season five. So we'll see when we get there. But definitely if there's more of these arcs, I know just looking at the titles that there's a couple more arcs out there. I'm really looking forward to going further in this series, but I'm glad I've gotten this far and then see where it goes from here.
3: I guess let's go around for last thoughts. Lauren, what do you think? Like I said, these episodes are just so familiar, even after years and decades at this point. You've heard me before. I love when Marvel gets weird. And this was one of my first introductions to weird Marvel, for lack of a better term. You know, oh, it's been very, gra- I say very grounded. They were in a different dimension a few times but they go to space it was just at the time when i was a kid it was like oh okay i can accept dimension hopping and time travel but going to space is different somehow and it was exciting to me then i still love it now the voice acting was pretty fantastic this episode i've never been the hugest fan of a lot of Xavier's voice actors choices sometimes but it's very like everything was just on fire these episodes for me at least break it into government facilities
1: that's just not our style okay what have you been doing this entire series come on gambit you know that that is totally the x-men style break it into government facilities but overall i mean this was just a really fun story it was a little I wanted to go back and read the comics, and then I remembered how much the comics are kind of this, not really, and we'll get more of that when we get the Dark Phoenix arc later. But this is just such a fun story to get to see again.
2: Yeah, like all the characters, even though there were many characters, it seems as though they each got a moment, a line here or there, engaging. Action packed, and Gambit seems to be a player. Not only that, but we got Jean pissy Wolverine on the cheek, and then we had this. I don't know how to describe the Scott and Jean last kiss. At the time, it was like wow. It's almost like now I've seen that in so many other movies, and I'm wondering, did that moment get inspiration for something else, or did all the other Big kisses like that come afterwards, and get inspired by that because that is one heck of a kiss. There's lighting; she they float up, and it's just magnificent. You know, this magnificent romantic moment. It was just like, okay, wow.
0: I think my head cannon is this came first. I don't know if it did or not, but that's a head cannon.
2: I'll accept it. Okay.
1: Something else that I can't let us get away without saying is you had so many cool little cameos in this whole arc. You had Captain Britain. You had Doctor Strange. You had that spider mutant that looks really familiar, whose name I can't place. You have Deadpool again. Just the way that they can work all these cameos in, and it's a totally natural thing, still amazes me.
2: Yeah, we even got that little shot of the Hellfire Club.
0: There was a lot going on in Earth when all this was happening, like Earth was getting torn apart and the X-Men, were, or the mutants were running around trying to save everybody during that time. Yeah, there was was a lot of great cameos there. All right, so next time we talk X-Men, we will be covering Season 3 Episodes 8 through 9, which is the Savage Land arc. However, it's not going to be our next episode, because our next episode, we're going to be discussing... The first episode, the premiere of Moon Knight, the new series on Disney Plus. So we'll be taking a little break here from X-Men, the animated series, and then we'll fit it in in between other series and films as we go forward, because our goal, again, is to finish X-Men, the animated series before X-Men 97 airs on Disney Plus, which we've heard is sometime in 2023. So we have between now and then to get through the rest of season three, season four, and season five. Hopefully we'll be able to do just that. In the meantime, we do have some interesting news from Marvel Studios to go over. Well, we all watched this beforehand and we all laughed about it. Lauren, you get to talk about our first news story.
3: So this comes to us from Michael Waldron's Twitter account. Michael Waldron, of course, worked on Loki and posted a little homemade acceptance speech. And it's a little cardboard cutout of Ms. Minutes from Loki. And it's actually voiced by Tara Strong, which is great. And the first half of it is just a really solid acceptance speech. And then that Loki twist happens. It's revealed that if Loki won, then it means that we are living in a, uh, a different branch. timeline. Yeah, a branch. It was very good. And we need to prepare
0: to be ended because, you know, all the timelines that branch out are ended. According to the uh, Time Bureau,
2: Brian.
1: Well, it was a good while it lasted, wasn't it?
0: We'll be back. So, in this timeline, though, Chris. Oh, before we move on, if you haven't seen it, click into the show notes and click this. You want to watch this? It's forty-five seconds, and it is very. You might actually watch it a few times because it's that great. And Tara Strong, who also is a voice actor in X Men: The Animated Series, which we're covering right now, did a great job. With Miss Minute. So in the meantime, Chris, in this universe, in this timeline, we have some things going on with Disney Plus with the series that we covered before you didn't. But we covered on Netflix.
1: Yes. Here in this timeline, everybody was worried that Disney was going to edit up all the Defenders shows, maybe make them less violent or stuff like that. And Disney, they did it. They went and edited Some of the Defender shows had to hit something in every single episode. I think they were just being salty, just trying to make sure that everybody knew that they were in control. They did the most horrible, heinous kind of editing I can possibly think of. Every mention of Netflix in the credits, they went and took it out. (gasps) How dare they?
0: I don't know. So think about this. Star Wars, right? If you don't get Star Wars with the Fox opening, is it still Star Wars? A New Hope. Is it still Star Wars?
1: No. You need the fanfare to open it up. Okay. If
0: you have another show and it switches networks, can you take off that networks branding TV series? It's a little bit different than a movie.
3: Hmm. I honestly don't know what the rules for all of that are in terms of acknowledging production and everything. I mean, the Netflix marquee,
0: as it comes forward, as you're watching a show over on Netflix, it's just part of it. It'd be like me going to, from Earth to the Moon, right? It was a very iconic HBO series, and it had that iconic beginning with the static and the boom and everything as HBO was coming on the screen. From Earth to the Moon would still be From Earth to the Moon to me, but it means a little bit more because it's got that HBO branding at the start. If I would watch From Earth to the Moon on Disney+, Plus, I think that would be okay for me not to have that, but I'd miss it, just like I'd miss the Fox opening to Star Wars. Lauren, what do you think?
3: Well, that just reminded me, I know some other HBO shows have aired on different networks after the fact, and the one that I thought of just immediately is Band of Brothers. And I would have to go back and check to see if they kept the... hbo HBO thing at the beginning i don't think they
0: did was this linear tv or was this another streaming service
3: no this was linear tv
0: okay they probably took it off for linear tv and they probably put commercials in it too
3: well yes
2: all i know now is that i just had to click a button saying that i am willing to watch mature content on disney plus (laughs) wow and do you want to put a PIN number on this account? It's like, I can imagine the kid going, yes, I'm going to have a PIN on this account so my parents can't get into their own <laughs> account anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, uh, that wouldn't last very long.
1: <laughs> I did like that it w- it only made me put in the password on my account, which is what we use as the main account. And then I could just say, oh yeah, Kaylee's account and have adult privileges as well.
0: Do you give Thor adult privileges?
1: Thor gets no privileges because he would just sit there and watch Thor all day.
2: (laughs) And expect you to clean up after him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, God, cat, you know, you don't get much more needy than that. Does he game at all like Thor? No, but he does really like to try to sit on my arms while I game. Uh. Because obviously arms that are in use are the perfect spot for him to sit.
0: Okay. Well, the important thing is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Inhumans. I just have to say it. I don't
1: know why, but... Would the, you rather watch Inhumans or Iron Fist again?
3: Ooh. Iron Fist has um, Claire and Colleen. Okay. Well, Inhumans has Anson
0: Mount. And regardless of what happened, Anson did... We did all agree. Anson did do a good performance in that series. So I can go one for one for you
2: there, but we can get him on the new star Trek show. Mm-hmm. Strange new worlds. Yep.
0: You can get Jessica Henwick in matrix.
3: Yeah. And I'm going to get that too. I can have more than one thing.
0: Okay. So Anson <laughs> Mount can have more than one thing. Okay. okay.
2: <laughs> I'm just letting people know that if they need their aunt, you know, that asked and fix, they can, Skip Inhumans and watch the new Star Trek show.
3: My cat might not be named after the character Christopher Pike, but he does so good, though, as Pike. I'm very happy for him. Just everybody who was involved in Inhumans, like the actors and the people who, you know, kind of got shafted by the decision to do it the way that it was done. I just wish for the best for them. And Chris Hemsworth got his
0: Hollywood break. I won't say he his entrance into Hollywood, but his Hollywood break by being George Kirk in the 2009 Star Trek. J.J. Abrams Star Trek. That's where Thor came from. In case you didn't know.
1: Well, I'm definitely going to go watch Inhumans on purpose with some specially selected beverages. (laughs)
3: Well,
0: Chris, that's what I was going to ask, since you weren't on the show back then when we did watch Inhumans.
1: Um, Did you watch it? I have never seen even a single second of it. I don't know why at the beginning, because, you know, at that point, everything Marvel was good. There must have just been something that kept me from being able to watch it. And then I just kept hearing that how bad it was from people that had similar taste as me.
0: So Lauren put on her good, her best face, and in the first couple of episodes, she's like, eh, it's not so bad. But by the end, she's like, oh, God, I can't believe we watched this. <laughs> to me too. <laughs> okay, Michelle, let's talk about something new in Disney+. Plus.
2: Marvel Studios seems to be developing a new cosmic project. According to the latest issue of Production Weekly, a trustworthy industry publication that tracks and chronicles films and series in various stages of development, Marvel Studios is beginning to work on a new cosmic project. The entry is simply listed as Untitled Marvel Space Project and sports the status of development. As can be expected, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige is currently listed as the only producer attached to the project. Beyond its existence, nothing else is known about what this mysterious chapter in the MCU will entail.
0: Well, just last week we were talking about what is this untitled Kevin Feige project? And our hypothesis was, well, it's going to be something. And then they're going to change that to the name of whatever it is. And then they're just going to keep the untitled Marvel Disney plus project or whatever on there. So we'll see, but this is cosmic now. So I'm not sure exactly what cosmic means. There's a lot of things that it could mean, but uh, yeah, we just know that there's, more going on on disney plus and you know if you just look at what we know is in the future not necessarily cosmic in nature but you have iron heart you have armored wars you had the agatha house of darkness the echo series x-men 97 it could even be right depending on what they want to do you have marvel zombies you have Uh, let's see. I think that's the end there, but you also have young Avengers, which has not been named as a project, but could be either a Disney plus or a film. So those are just some titles that we know are in development, but it could be something completely different. I mean, I am Groot is in there too. And then there's the guardians of the galaxy holiday special. I suppose it could be one of those, but anyway, we know that there's stuff coming in the future. I'm fine with this. But Chris, if you had to speculate, what do you think this series was?
1: I think they're going to make a serious run at a live action edge of Spider-Verse so that they can get Ghost Spider introduced to the
3: MCU. (laughs) Well done. I don't know. they are just doing so much lately. Can we finally get the new Warriors and Squirrel Girl? Come on. Oh, Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. It's canceled.
2: Squirrel Girl project is no more. I know, but they can bring it back? I know, but it's just like Gambit. I read an article with Channing Tatum about how he is like his heart's broken because he he invested so much time into Gambit. Just as much time as like Ryan Reynolds did with Deadpool. But Gambit didn't get picked up. It didn't happen and he actually admitted he has trouble watching some of the Marvel stuff because he really was invested with Gambit and when done right, Gambit's an interesting character. So I feel for him.
1: We oui, mon ami. Okay. I have a new prediction. My new prediction is Deadpool and Gwenpool convince Marvel producers to make things that the fans want.
0: Ghost spider. And Gwen, you just all over that. Any of the two
1: and you're fine. Right.
0: I
2: just like alternate ones. Yeah. Right. Into the Gwenverse.
1: I do have all of the X-Gwen covers.
2: You've mentioned
0: that before. Yep. Yeah. All right. So there's a few more stories in the show notes. If you want to see what's going on in Marvel Studios, go ahead and click on those links and figure out what's going on, including a, an article on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the possibilities that it had with Avengers Endgame. Well, in the meantime... We are going to pull our best Jean Grey and we're gonna hop over right on into the sun on our way out. I had a ton of fun talking about X-Men, the animated series and the Phoenix Saga. I can't wait till we get back to it. If you want to hear me talk about something else, You can find me over on Smoking and Drinking in Space. You will hear me talk about the Expanse Season 4. This is the first season that the Amazon Prime was running the series. You'll hear all about the differences between sci fi and how the series is progressing over there. Of course, it's at Season 6. We're going to do the last two series coming up in the next month or so. But Smoking and Drinking in Space, The Expanse, I believe it's episode 181, could be 182, but I think it's episode 181. You can check me out over there.
3: Thank you to SP, to Chris, to Michelle, to Anthony for hopping in. Just thank you all so much for continuing to put in the work just constantly. And for everything that you all do in front of the camera, behind the camera, Mike, whichever i'm looking at my face right now so i'm thinking cameras but thank you so much for all of your hard work thank you we love you lauren
2: if you want to hear more from me you can follow me on twitter at shell underscore game also next week on the 30th that's a wednesday at 8 p.m over on nerds with dice we're going to be doing a one shot of a game system called the exceptionals and the exceptionals is inspired by the x-men oh i'm going to have superpowers i'm basically going to be someone who can have like a little electricity kind of like jubilee but also basically hack computers with their mind you cannot keep your secrets from me type of character so nice come on by in nurse with dice twitch channel wednesday to 30th 8 p.m eastern
0: well that is real life coming to fantasy right there because i've never been able to hide a secret from you michelle i know
1: (laughs) yes thank you to everybody who gives us all kinds of feedback whether it's something through one of the official channels or talking to any of us directly you know we love hearing what you guys have to say about the show and If you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to PlayComics.com, where as of time of recording this, the latest episode is me talking to Zoe Tunnell about Blade Maidens, a wonderful webcomic that she is making about Ladies with Swords. And I think that's all the explanation you need to get into it. That was one
0: of the first things I heard as I turned on the episode. I was like, okay, I'm in. It doesn't matter. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to check out the comics too, which I haven't had a chance to go to my local comic book store lately, but in any event, yeah, it was a great well, lucky episode for you. Chris. This is a
1: web comic, so you'll oh, still be able to get it. Yeah. Cool.
0: Well, the most important thing I can say is come check us out on our discord server at get slash discord and talk to us all about moon Knight when that comes out. So we know there's going to be a lot of people talking about it. Come and talk to us over there until next time. I'm director SB.
2: I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle.
1: I'm Agent Chris.
0: Bye. See you next time.
2: Bye. 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 Thank
1: you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin MacLeod, found at Incompetech.com, and also artists on Pond5.com
3: and AudioJungle.net.
1: The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
3: Did y'all see the 30-second uh, teaser trailer for Thor, Love, and Thunder? No. No. Okay. It's, there's not much there. I didn't know there was one out there. It just dropped yesterday? Okay, well, I don't... I remember I liked it. I've liked a lot of stuff since then.
0: All right, so now we have our three news stories. We're good to go there. We're only doing three stories, Lauren. hmm
3: But now this is going to drive me crazy, so.
0: You're already there. I mean. <laughs> Good point. We don't need to take you anywhere further.
3: Okay, I'm seriously not seeing it anywhere, so I don't know what I was thinking. Did you dream it? No.
0: You have been on painkillers. I
2: have been on painkillers. I haven't, I haven't heard, but who knows?
0: Haven't heard what?
3: I haven't heard about the teaser, but then again, I live in a hole, so. I'm wondering if it was something from like months ago and it just came up again.
0: Okay. If it did come out, I would have seen it. And I did a scrub from today and it wasn't there.
3: Now to scroll past all of the wrestling tweets that I've liked in the past, like, 24 hours.
0: Which is roughly 1,217, I'm guessing.
3: Kinda, yeah. 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 Okay, and to the stuff during the show, AEW Live yesterday was a lot of fun, by the way. Everybody was very attractive. Hmm. It was a fake trailer.
0: Welcome to Marvel fandom, Lauren. <laughs> I did not put that trailer out there to spoof you. That was not me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, now that it's happened, I wish it was. <laughs> hey, Lauren, did you see the Thor Love Thunders? <laughs> no, I didn't. Where is it? Here it is. So, did you weather the storms
3: okay this earlier this week? Oh, yeah, no. I was far away from that tornado.
0: Because okay. somebody posted a uh, what turns out to be really neat, but was probably horrific for the kid, of a Chevy truck. 2004 I believe red Chevy truck that was going down the highway got flipped over on its side tornado came Jeez. by was whirling around and it ended up back on its tires and and the kid drove away uh, the guy who filmed it stopped the kid and he didn't have a cell phone I don't know if he just didn't have one or if it got thrown out of the truck during the whole thing or whatever but he uh gave him his cell phone so he could call his parents he was fine a little abrasions on his arms but the funny thing is that somebody overdubbed that video with the Chevy like a rock commercial. Oh God. <laughs> so if you haven't seen that yet, I can send you the video. Everybody's fine from that. You know, no no serious injuries or fatalities or anything, but it's you know, Chevy truck tough enough to go through a tornado. <laughs> so Chris, how's Building Supplyville going?
1: We still can't get anything. It is still the purchasing department's fault that we can't get anything, but that is now not my circus to worry about super officially. Yes. I just invoice things so that people can get paid and receive things so that they know that the stuff is there.
0: Do you purchase refrigerators like appliances and stuff like that, or just building materials? No, it's
1: uh, like um, lumber and, stuff more on that end of things so i was
0: wondering if my re- new refrigerator doesn't show up a week from saturday if i could blame you for that
1: no actually i do know who you do get to blame though we have a guy whose wife works at a plumbing supply place
0: plumbing supply refrigerator yeah. plumbing supply
1: yeah it's probably her fault somehow oh, okay. <laughs> there's water lines and everything
0: what do you got planned for this weekend
1: chris I get to wake up about five on Saturday to drive to some mystery place that I don't know yet to meet with her parents so that they can take her to a craft show all day long. And then I will promptly turn right back around and go back to sleep.
0: Is she attending the craft show like she's got a booth or is she just going to the craft show to buy stuff?
1: She's going to be in the booth with her parents. They oh, all okay. make things okay. and okay. I don't. So I stay here.
0: You know that I'm a craft roadie, right?
1: No, I don't.
0: Yes, my mother-in-law made doll clothes for American Girl dolls and sold Ooh. them at bazaars and, and street fairs and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm I'm the roadie, or or was the roadie for that? Like ten years, I did that. Nice. Yeah. Well, the crafter community is—it's kind of like a carny community. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a unique way. If you've never lived that life, it's a unique life to live.
3: The first year I went to Gen Con, we were talking with the shuttle driver who was taking us to our hotel. And he was so happy because Gen Con was there because he's like, yeah, y'all are so polite. You know who's the worst? And we're like, I don't know, the bikers, because the bikers were also going to have a thing that weekend. He's like, no, the quilters. They (laughs) are... (laughs)
0: I'm laughing because my mom's a quilter.
3: <laughs> so you know how like quilting conventions are. You are absolutely correct about it being kind of a carny thing.
0: Yeah. So I, the the crafting thing that I did before did not include my mom. And she just got into it a couple of years ago, like right before the pandemic. But she was able to do quilts throughout the book. She makes phenomenal quilts. Like She made a quilt for Jessica and Brandon who just got married. She made a quilt for both of them that floored everybody at because they did a gift opening the morning after their wedding people kids do that these days when all their guests are still in town they do a breakfast gift opening nobody wants to do it the <laughs> people that just got married the newlyweds don't want to do it cuz they want to like be done and sleep in and whatever and everybody else is wanting to sleep in and sleep off their hangovers before they leave to go home right but everybody does it just to cuz they get to see the opening of the gift and and, uh, able to share in that joy and stuff like that. But the, the last, so I don't know, why these families were like getting competitive. His family was getting competitive, wanted like the best gift, whatever. The last gift that came out was my mom. She's like, Oh, you didn't open this. And she brings it over to them and they whip it out. And they're like, wow, these are really neat. So it was like the best gift basically. And then his family was like, just staring like boss move. Yeah, basically. And I'm like, <laughs> way to go, mom. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Grandma for the win.
0: Uh, yeah, but the festivals, I mean, everything from parking spaces to booth spaces, like everybody wants whatever they think is the best parking spot, which might not be logical, but they think it is whether it's the closest to their booth, which I think is logical because then you can tear down quite easily or put everything in the car overnight to be safe or out of rain or whatever easily to know. I want the parking spot. That's easiest to get out of the lot, which I can also see whatever, but everybody's got their things that they got to have. And I've actually seen crafters leave when they don't get the right boost space, when it's like move three down or something like that. I'm not staying. I'm like, you've come hundreds of miles you've driven 12 hours to get here for this festival and you're leaving just because you're three booths down. Yep.
3: Yep. Okay. Yeah. I've seen booth drama at sci-fi conventions and it has nothing compared to anything that I've heard about, like crafting conventions. Legends of shield is copyright 2013 through 2022.